Welcome aboard, shipmates, to another episode of the Mopark Raider Fantasy Mutiny. I'm Robert Gonzalez, your fantasy captain, and I'm here with my friend Nick Idlebach, who'll be filling in today. Nick, how you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I really want to class myself as a friend and more of a gym boyfriend, but, you know, I feel internally in your gratitude for elevating me to that status. Yeah, I guess my muscles thank you, too. Alright guys, so this is this is Nick and we're going to be going over our Week 7 NFL matchups, full point PPR for 10 to 12 team leagues. We got our defensive rankings and scoring, it's all pulled off of Yahoo PPR scoring. Nick, you want to introduce yourself a little bit, tell us about your fantasy background? Yeah, you know, like most of you guys, I'm just your typical idiot. Got into this maybe 5 or 6 years ago and uh, yeah, I thought the whole thing was kind of malarkey at first where everyone's like basically a gambling addict, you know, you're watching 15 TVs at once, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, once I fell into it, you know, it's addicting. It's fun. You you start paying attention to teams you would never would care about. I don't give a hell about Houston, about the Bengals. But when it comes to fantasy and managing multiple teams, you care about everyone. And it just kind of gets you a little more passionate into the game. And, yeah, I'm a red-blooded American. Everyone likes football. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I got to admit, when you're on a Sunday, you got that red zone going. One game after the other, you, you just start to know players way better when you get, take fantasy pretty seriously, I guess. How are you doing so far in your league this year? Uh, just want to make a shout out to everyone in my league. Crushing it. 6-0. Most points in the league. Hasn't even been close. You know, big thank you to uh, McCaffrey and uh, the New England defense. Absolute MVPs. Just stomping it. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, Nick's a New England fan and he, he gets a lot of shit for it. But, man, that defense. I can't, I can't even say anything. I don't know who wrote the schedules for New England this year. But yeah, if you pick them, you're golden. I think everyone was a little scared that week one, Steelers week, but past that, there was nothing to be afraid of. So good on you for drafting them. So yeah, as as Nick said, he is undefeated. So as much of an idiot as he did sound when he first came on here, uh, there's a reason I brought him in. He, he knows his stuff. He knows his football. And like he said, he is a true-blooded American that is obsessed as much as we are. So all the two of us are going to be giving you our advice this week, and we're going to go over those Week 7 matchups for you. One thing to get into, I did make some pirate pickle bets last week with Mario. It was on DJ Chark, and he was supposed to beat his projection for 15 points, which did not happen. And then it was also for Chris Thompson, who got injured during the game, so that kind of shot my bet right out of the water against Adrian Peterson and against those Dolphins. So I lost two pickle bets. So I today I have to be paying that piper. Um, it was honestly the worst week of fantasy for me. I I lost my first loss this week, so I'm now five and one in my. Can we league. discuss who you lost to? Yeah, I lost. Yeah, he knows. I, I lost to Matt, who a mutual friend of ours, and he has zero wins in our <laughs> league. So yeah, I lost to the worst. That that was not a good feeling. But uh, Dalvin Cook didn't come through. Cooper Cup didn't come through. Kelsey, DJ Chark, they all got shut down. The Niners shut down the Rams. And I got two of those pieces, so my team my team just kind of got shot down. And unfortunately, I had Alshon and Robbie Anderson both on my bench. So now I got to enjoy these pickle products and, even worse, lose to Matt. So here we go. The first one that Mario had picked for me was eating spicy kimchi. I got a plate right here right in front of me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take my first bite. None of these products I've had before, so this will be super exciting. So, Give the audience an idea what... What you're eating? What you're doing? What are you going through? The um, sensations, man. I'm I'm not I'm not opposed, but also it's like not great. Um, it's like a sourness to it. Got that spiciness to it. A little but, crunch. Yeah, a little. It's edible. Man, this is not gonna be a fun year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I think I like pickles, but everything else about the pickle products. When I was buying this stuff, I was absolutely terrified of the combinations that you can get. In terms of revenge. So we're going to keep this pickle product going. But the punishments will gradually get worse and worse. So this will not. This won't be fun at all. As an outsider, I feel like you really have to up the ante. Uh, a lot of people enjoy kimchi. I'm one of them. Yeah. It, it's not that bad of a punishment. I'm going to be it's honest. pretty good. Um, Mario did want to do pickled herrings. And I, I'm with it. I'm just totally down. But we had to go to a British store to go find it. And I just didn't have the time. Like I went to my neighborhood Ralph's. And thank God they didn't have it, because if, if they did, I'd be eating fish, pickled fish. I don't even know what herring was. No, me either, yeah. Into it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I'm assuming it's like sardines, pickled, like something like that. So, okay. Like I said, the ante will be upped. Just keep on listening, guys. Um, all two of you, mom, dad, I love both of you guys. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in. 
All right, on to the next one. Uh, Mario picked some zesty hot dill zingers. So he's got he's got spicy pickles for me. I literally found a jar that didn't have any peppers in it, still labeled the hot thing, so it totally would have qualified. But for you guys, I'm bringing that authenticity. I bought I bought the one with like extra peppers at the bottom. So this one, trying I to make it as spicy there's, as there's you can. There's a lot of peppers in there. Yeah, there's peppers there. All right, here comes the pickles, guys. Ah, oh, that's not even spicy. That's chilling. This is actually delicious. I'm totally okay with this one. Oh, yeah. Like I said, you got, you know, it's a learning curve. Start off curve. easy. Yeah. You up the ante. You don't want to start with something that's going to kill you. It actually does get hotter <laughs> as, as time goes on. I was I was really kind of hoping it'd stay at that spice level, but not. That's a slow roll sleeper. It's not bad. I think I think for the fans, I'll also drink a little bit of the pickle juice. We'll see how. Whoa, bro. You got to try one of these. This is, this is kicking. It's like not bad. Want to go? I mean, I got I got time to kill. You didn't you didn't lose, but you can join in the punishment. Uh, so Nick is now trying a pickles punishment as well. The pepper is entering his mouth. He is crunching. <laughs> this is the good stuff. This is what the people want. Actually, it's pretty good. Okay, now, but then it bites. Yeah, right? initially, yeah, when you bite into it, you don't really feel it, it's but delicious. once uh, you crack it, you start mashing with your teeth like an animal. Well, <laughs> it gets to you. Whoo! I just drank the uh, the juice. That's not bad. It actually kind of calms it down a little bit. All right, no, this guys. is really historical. This is exactly what pirates used to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, pirate pickle bet, I don't really know what to do, but you get alliteration in there, you know that's gold right there. <laughs> All right, guys, so that was our punishment. Each week we're going to be bringing a new one. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, maybe we'll start doing YouTube videos, kind of see our reactions a little bit better. I know it's not super great on audio. Hope you enjoyed my loud crunching. So after all that, we're kind of looking for a bounce back this week. I know I am. I'm not trying to lose two weeks in a row. Uh, I want to stay in first place, and those people are gaining. So I'm actually uh, too used to winning. Yeah. I would be okay with losing just to, just to lower myself to a peasantry level. I'm telling you, that's how I felt last week. I was king of the world, and now I got one loss, and I'm like, oh, I can, I can easily lose first place. Like The hot seat just got real, real fast. That being said, in my league, we do have two undefeated people. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just have more points, so I'm you know, technically in first. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm still like 40 points ahead, which is great. All right, guys. So let's move on to our matchups. Uh, we'll be going through the week seven matchups. We're going to do our starts, sits, upgrades, and downgrades. In our segment, we like to call pirate placement. And this is where we're going to be telling you where to put the players, whether to keep them in your lineup or on the bench. As we're doing every week, um, here we're changing it up with some pirate terms for you. So if we're starting the player, they're receiving the booty. If we're benching them, they're walking the plank. And if we are upgrading them, we're keeping a crow's nest eye on them, somebody we might want to put in but still a little unsure about. And then if we're downgrading them because of that difficult matchup but we still got to play them, they're mopping the poop deck for us. That's going to be all those people in those tough, tough matchups. Unfortunately, they got they got poop to deal with. And last but not least, uh, we got our sickly scurvy start. So these are starts that we're putting in our, our flex position. We're going to be like forced to play. But the entire time you're watching them on Sunday, you're feeling pretty nauseous about them trying to succeed, and it's not a great feeling. So that's going to be our sickly, scurvy start. For our buys this week, we got our Panthers, our Browns, our Steelers, and our Bucks, and that's going to be it. So if you have any of those players, you're not going to need any of that advice. Unfortunately, we don't cover Thursday or Monday night games. It's going to be all Sunday matchups for you. So let's get into it with our first one. We got the Texans at the Colts. All right, man. Texans, uh, you got anyone receiving the booty for you, Nick, in this matchup? How you feel on it? The one big takeaway I'd, I'd say from this is I do like Deshaun Watson. He's mm-hmm. a fantastic player. He's looked great the last few games because he's not really under pressure. He's not being sacked. Yeah. But he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks. You know, this season, last season, he suffers a lot of punishment back there. Yeah. If the Colts can bring it and they did stop the Chiefs, you know, marginally, <laughs> it could be a big deal to him. You know, he's kind of riding this wave of, you know, when I'm not touched, I look like a great player. Well, this is the NFL. A lot of quarterbacks can do that. So I'm just, you know, I'm a little concerned with Watson, but, you know, as you're going to state, you can't bench the guy. Yeah. he's. But I wouldn't, you know, assume 60, 70 points, you know, is going to be a big blowout. No, definitely not. Um, I think it's a so-so matchup. The Colts actually ranked 12th against quarterbacks at the time of uh, looking at their rankings. And Deshaun Watson, the draft capital you spent on him, he's, he's most likely your best option at quarterback. Um, he is a stud ever since they traded for La- uh, Laramie Tunzel. Their O-line has gotten a lot better. And he's doing a lot better for it. So he's he's someone you keep in your lineup. Uh, the only way I ever see benching him if it's a really tough, tough 
defense that you're facing against. But I think the Colts you can have success on, even though they are a really good team. As you, as we all saw, they were probably underrated. Nobody really thought they'd beat the Chiefs. So them doing the work that they did. I'm a Colts fan myself, so it's exciting to see. But I think Deshaun Watson will still still give you a decent fantasy day um, this week. What about Hopkins for you, man? How you doing on Hopkins? You still got trust in him? I mean, he's not as bad as it perceives. He's just not doing as well as everyone would like. Yeah. Especially, you know, where you, you drafted this guy. And he's losing a lot of target shares to Will Fuller, which is also scary. Uh, if there's a bounce back game, I mean, could this be it? It's really hard to tell with this guy. Yeah. There's a few really big wide receivers, you know, name brand guys that are not really performing to the way that you really draft them to be. Yeah, he's not, he's not alone. There was a huge, a bunch of elite wide receivers that have not really panned out. And so that's, that's why I really like taking wide receivers late. Something to keep in mind for your next draft. But so the way Hopkins has been performing, he'd be mopping the poop deck for me on this one. Um, it's not necessarily the matchup, but he has he's been putting up wide receiver two numbers essentially. He he hasn't been that elite option that you drafted, and so he's kind of being downgraded essentially. Weeks two through six, he actually hasn't even broken ninety yards or received a touchdown. And kind of like you said, the the options on the Texans they got a lot of them now. Will Fuller, Kiki Cutie. Kenny Stills, more so Kenny Stills, but all those guys, they take up portions, and, and now you have a pass catching back and Duke Johnson. It's just it's tough for uh, Hopkins to keep receiving the same workload that he was receiving in it, the past. It's kind of like the OBG, OBJ effect. You know, you just you have too many players on the team. You can't possibly pass, like, pass the ball to everyone. Yeah. And you're not going to just force feed a guy because, oh, wow, he's DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he he's that dude. I have to give him the ball. This is the NFL. This is a grown man. They make grown men decisions. You just you pick the guys open. I mean, they're winning. Yeah, they, exactly. They beat the Chiefs, so it's like, yeah, I agree completely. All right, so moving on. For me, I got a sickly scurvy flex start to Will Fuller. I know <laughs> Will Fuller just had that big blow-up game against Atlanta. He put up 53.7 points, but I think too many people are going to be falling for Fuller's gold there. They're going to be chasing those points, and I don't think Will Fuller is going to have the same success moving forward. I think that was kind of one blow-up game. I think you want to play the matchups, and the Colts are, like we said, a pretty up-and-coming good defense. I don't think I'd necessarily love playing Will Fuller, but I can kind of see a hesitant start in that flex, depending on your options. That sound agreeable with you? Very agreeable. All right, perfect. So next we got Walking the Plank. We got I got Kenny Stills and Kiki Cutie, as well as Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. We kind of talked about it. Kenny Stills and Kiki Cutie, they're kind of the third options on this team. Kiki Cutie, especially when Kenny Stills is healthy, they prefer Kenny Stills. So the two of them, I don't think either of them will really see the volume that they that you need to have a successful fantasy day. And then with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, the Colts ranked 23rd against the run. So you'd be playing these running backs in a tougher matchup, and then they're also going to eat into each other. So that's kind of my belief on both these guys, is they're eating into each other's production, and that's that's what's going to make it tough to find fantasy success for either one of them. Yeah, it's difficult. A lot of these running backs are doing running back committees. Yeah. You know, as a fantasy owner, that, that's not what you want. You want a cowbell, and you want that guy to be reliable. Yeah. And I think last week, even with Carlos Hyde had some success on the ground, but I think that's the formula against the Chiefs. They know you know to run the ball. They had the most time of possession. The ever since time of possession has been tracked, the, this was the biggest disparity between the two teams. So you want to keep the ball away from Pat Mahomes. I don't necessarily think you want to do that with Jacoby Brissett. He's good, but he's not Pat Mahomes level. So that was probably their game plan going into it. I don't think they're going to have the same game plan this week. You keeping a crow's nest eye on anybody for this game? Uh, I think you pretty much covered everything. The the one person that you might need to look at is Darren Fells. The Colts are vulnerable to the tight ends, and I know Fells isn't a huge name, and unless you're in the fantasy world, essentially, but the Colts rank third against the tight end, and Fells has had surprisingly really good games. He put up 13 points three of the last four games, so he's starting to be a little bit more consistent. I don't know if that's necessarily someone I trust going forward but for the consistency he showed the last four games i'd be willing to take another chance especially plus matchup yeah i mean and especially the way tight ends the the landscape of tight ends they're awful options out there unfortunately so you might have to take a risk that you don't feel super comfortable with moving on to the colts who you got for that well he used to be on my team but uh you gotta love marlon mack yeah you know, i initially drafted him fairly high yeah who criticized my pick uh, I believed in the guy, and the guy is—he's really been performing unbelievably well. Jacoby Brisket, you know, expatriate. We know how to treat our players, <laughs> <laughs> or at least we know how to coach them. 
you know, he's doing pretty well. The Colts in general seem to be doing pretty outrageous. Yeah. And uh, for the position they're in, you know, Andrew Luck stepped off the team. I think most people gave up hope. I know this guy gave up hope. I, I had a little did. hope in it. And uh, the Texans are not a great defense. You know, I think they're pretty susceptible, especially, like I said earlier, if you can bring pressure on Watson, I think that team is going to fall apart. And yeah. I think that, you know, the Colts have great offensive picks to really alleviate that pressure. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Colts, the two things they do, they drafted well. And luckily they have Frank Wright, who, who coaches them really well, too. Receiving the booty, we got Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton. The offense definitely moves through Mack. He is receiving the second most rushes in the NFL behind only Christian McCaffrey, and that's crazy. And behind that elite O-line, he's putting up 4.7 yards per carry. And on top of all that, this defense, the Texans, they rank ninth against running back. So it's a plus matchup. Mack's going to get the ball often. He's definitely one of those receiving the booties for me. And T.Y. Hilton, if he's back and healthy, you got to bank on him in this plus matchup. Like you were saying, the Texans are a vulnerable defense. Um, with the bye week to recover, he should be looking better, not as hobbled by his quad injury. But keep an eye on these practice reports because we do do these podcasts earlier in the week. So you just got to keep an eye. But if he's playing, you, you got to play him as well. That's the way I look at it. And the last one, like you said, Jacoby Brissett, I'd actually keep a crow's nest eye on him. I don't know how comfortable I feel. Depending on your league, if quarterbacks are thin, then yeah, he's definitely a good streamer for Week 7. Um, they're, they're a vulnerable matchup, and Jacoby has reached 20 points in plus matchups. Uh, Atlanta and Oakland are two examples, both 20-point games against them, so he should be another one. The Houston ranks 8th against quarterbacks, so they're an easy matchup for you. So, And let's not forget, even in the Chiefs game, he didn't score as well as you'd like, but he still had a rushing touchdown. So you do have the reliability that the, the kid has wheels. If he needs to make a big play, that you know sometimes he can just move his feet. And in fantasy, for a quarterback, that's always a big plus. Yeah, definitely. I got I got Kyler Murray, so I, I'm all about those combos, the running <laughs> quarterbacks. You didn't believe in him, but I did. Uh, so that being said, uh, any anyone walking the plank for you on this one? Is there someone you don't trust on this Colts team? I mean, I haven't trusted Eric Ebron all season. Yeah. Um, I don't know the analytics on it, but the eye test is the guy just doesn't seem to get it. Yeah, I think he had that one year, and with Andrew Luck, who utilizes the tight end, that was his year for success. Yeah, he also made Jack Doyle look good. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a good quarterback. Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of the analytics on it. Ebron hasn't surpassed three catches in any game so far this season, and Houston ranks 28th against tight end, so you got a bad matchup plus inconsistent target share. Ebron's someone you should be fading definitely in this game. All right, we're moving on to our next game. We got our Rams at Falcons. So for the Rams, you got people receiving the beauty in this one? Yeah, the booty. Yeah, Cooper Cup. Actually, if I could throw the whole team on this, I mean, just a rest in peace to Falcon fans. I feel terrible for you guys. Even after that Super Bowl, uh, you know, I was happy we won. I felt a little bad for you. Just rubs it in any chance he gets. (laughs) You got to salt that wood, you know, 28-3. to Never forget it. But the, the, the Falcons, the team is just imploding. And this is honestly, the Rams have not looked like the Super Bowl contenders they were supposed to be. You know, the Sean McVay McGenius system hasn't really been panning out. If they lose this game, and I'm saying if, I don't say they will. If they lose this game, uh, the shop is closed. <laughs> don't report to camp. Don't report to the games. There's no way. They, like you said, this Atlanta defense is awful. Any chance you get to play against Atlanta, play everybody. So... Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, they're all receiving the booty for me. The wide receivers. And as awful as Goff has looked, even him, he's going to be a quarterback you can definitely stream against this defense. Um, the next two weeks, he's got some easy matchups. He he has these guys, the Atlanta Falcons, and then you get Cincinnati next. So those are easily two cushy matchups. If you're looking for a streamer, Goff is someone that's going to be startable for the next two weeks. Thankfully, you don't have to face uh, the Niners shut down defense every week. They Yikes. Yeah, they're good. They're just really good. Keep an eye on that defense because whoever's playing them, you're, you're gonna you're gonna struggle in those ones, those offensive pieces. What about Todd Gurley? How you feeling on him? Um, how to say this? Very critical. I just I don't believe in the Gurley anymore. Yeah. I thought it was dangerous when people draft him so early. You know, if you guys had drafted this early, I'm a, I'm sorry. Yeah. Apparently, you missed arthritis reports. Uh, he just he hasn't looked the same. Wait, you're telling me you don't trust arthritis in your knees? <laughs> As a running back who just signed what like a thirty million dollar deal? No, not really. Especially when he traded away a bunch of O line pieces. It just it was um, you know, you built a submarine with no bolts, and you know now it's falling apart. Who, who would have guessed? 
Yeah. I don't know that analogy, but I like it. Oh <laughs> Just made it up. It's a pretty good mental <laughs> picture. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. The one thing is in the, he does have success at times, and I think this is a matchup. Like we said, Atlanta is an awful defense. I think it's worth keeping a crow's nest eye on Todd Gurley. You really have to check the practice reports. The same thing. He's coming back from an injury. He missed week six, so we don't know if he'll be back for week seven, but I think the practice reports have been positive. So Atlanta's a defense, like I said, I'm trying to put anybody against them in the game. Really, yeah. The defense is just so bad. Basically, it it elevates everyone else. Exactly. Most teams have had more success through the air, so I'm more excited for the wide receivers and Goff, obviously. But if I can put Todd Gurley in there, I'm still totally comfortable with putting my running back in that game. And at the same point, you drafted him high. So you're you're gonna play him, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Goff is throwing fifty, sixty times a game. It seems. Yeah, it's crazy. He's not getting the same amount. He's basically Gurley's become matchup dependent. Like you can't trust him. Oh, matchup dependent. Uh, not to use an NBA term, but it seems load management. I don't yeah. know if they're saving him for a playoff run, uh, but it's definitely the LeBron effect. Yeah. You know, we're gonna play this guy when we need him, and when we don't, even if he complains about it, which I do like that he did that. You know, they basically just bench this guy. It's it's honestly, I love when players are vocal about their role in the thing because obviously you saw that out of Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Todd Gurley. All three of them got work the very next week. So, like, that's positive for your fantasy team if you own that. Oh, absolutely. It, it does, yeah, outside of fantasy, you know, are we caving to this diva culture now? I don't know. But I'm happy that he stepped up. I'm not trying to hate on the guy. He's fantastic. He won me a trophy two years ago. Yeah. It's just... The raw reality is we're looking at numbers and he's just he's not performing. Yeah. You know, statistically he's not performing, the eye test he's not performing, the Rams are not performing. Yeah. Uh I would say there's a certain level of diva I'm willing to accept. Somebody like that, they know they're great and they want the ball more. That's basically all it is. But the level of diva of like Antonio Brown, yeah. Uh, uh you can get Antonio off. Antonio Brown, team. yes. You, yeah. you stay away from me there. Um, And then kind of touching on the news, the other thing is Jalen Ramsey just got traded to the Rams. And I know this doesn't. This is on the defensive side, so it seems like it wouldn't affect the offense. But I actually think this is going to be positive for the offense a little bit more because I think you're going to get a few more possessions out of them, whether it's an interception from him or a turnover on downs where they hold him on a third down. With the defense being a little bit stronger, I think the offense might have a few more opportunities. What the Rams do with those op- opportunities, we will see. But I think having a piece that vital, Jalen Ramsey is a once-in-a-lifetime cornerback. Once you have a shutdown cornerback, it, it changes so much about both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. On the whole diva discussion, I mean, obviously a diva guy, but shutdown corner. You know, probably one of the best, easily one of the best corners in the league. Uh, is he going to play this week? You know, hard to tell, but having him on the team, a good defense is always going to help your offense. Yeah. For moving forward, definitely, I agree. And then, so because of the Todd Gurley coming back from injury, that's just going to put Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, the both of those guys, they're going to either be waiver wire fodder or bench stashes if you need. Definitely not going to be startable assets. As long as Gurley's playing, neither one of them is really relevant. If I had to have a sick leaf scurvy start for this, we're going to go back to that tight end. It's going to be Gerald Everett. Um, He obviously didn't do that great. San Francisco is a super good defense, though, like we talked about this last week. And he had a huge deep ball that Jared Goff just completely missed, like wide open. It could have been taking that for a touchdown, you know? So his numbers would definitely be boosted. So I don't know if he's really if his role is nailed in this offense, but as of late, they have been using him. We'll see if that's going to be forever. The 2019 Rams offense, they're going to be more utilization of their tight end. But Atlanta is another easy defense. They rank 15th against the tight ends. And like we said, you're not going to play the Niners every week. So there's a shot for him to bounce back. He's had two good weeks already in week four and five. We'll see if he can make it a third week, three out of four weeks of production. That's, that's something that you might, get out of Everett in this game. I mean, yeah, what else can you say? The The tight end field is, is just so wacky and turby. Yeah. But yet again, it's just the, the matchup is such a plus that if you're trying to play this guy, your options are fairly limited or you don't have any options. So you might as well just throw it out there. Yeah. If if you're getting sick from all these uh, tight end starts, I got some kimchi. Anyone <laughs> is welcome to get their probiotics on over here. And uh, speaking of nauseous offenses, we got we got the Falcons on the other side. Um, For the Falcons, actually receiving the booty, we still got Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper, as well as Devontae Freeman, 
for Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper. Both of them have been on fire for their position, so you just got to continue to keep riding them. You really got to hope for the best. Uh, the offensive line for Matt Ryan is really pathetic, and really Donald hasn't exploded this season yet, and this could be his time to feast. But Matt Ryan has just been has been too productive lately on a team that really, you know, what what is their other option? Yeah, and and not only that, it's just their defense is so poor that you know their offense is going to be constantly in shootouts to just try and keep up with the other team's offense. Yeah. So so the Rams aren't look aren't going to get slowed down at all by the Falcons. So I think that passing game of Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper for sure are still going to be vital. The cost and catch up. Exactly. Yeah. The the person that I'm a little questionable on or, or I guess I just feel neutral on I would say is Julio Jones. Um, just because we don't know how this, this whole Jalen Ramsey trade is going to play. We don't know how much Jalen Ramsey is going to play, if he's going to shadow Julio. So those kind of things kind of throw off the projection a little bit. And the Rams have been a good defense against the pass. They did rank 21st against the pass prior to this week. But with all their trades, not only Jalen Ramsey, but other defensive pieces moving about, um, you can't really go off the previous rankings, unfortunately. So there's going to be a whole different players in there. So everything's going to be different in terms of scheme. So we'll see how they compete against these wide receivers. Julio Jones is the only one I'd really have trust in fully. Do you agree on that one? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Julio Jones is a is a natural freak. Uh, Fancy-wise, he doesn't always get the touchdowns. You know, he gets the big yardage plays. He gets the big bomb catches. He just doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. Jalen Ramsey is a top cornerback. But, I mean, Julio Jones is a big guy. He's hard to cover. And we don't know that you know, the suspected injury Jalen Ramsey has or whether that was My just a, <laughs> it was a mental thing to sit out and, and not blow yourself before being traded. Yeah, no, he, I think he was super smart. I think everything's going to be healed touched by the Lord this weekend, and, and he'll be oh, good to the, go. The Saquon Barkley, the stem cells are vibrating, whatever they use. It, yeah, Wolverine in the making. Um, so Ridley and Sanu, they'd be mopping the poop deck for me just because, like we said, this defense is decently pretty good against the pass, and neither of them have been really consistent. Both of them kind of trade off. They're a little too unpredictable to guess who's the guy who's going to be the secondary receiver that week. Um, Ridley's probably got the most upside. Sanu is the most consistent in terms of a foreplay for double digits. So depending on what you need, either one is usable, but they'd both be mopping the poop deck for me this week. And lastly, the the last person we didn't really touch upon, but receiving the booty for me is Devontae Freeman. Um, he's been much better the past three weeks. He's getting it done as a dual threat back. He's had at least three catches in all those games and punching in touchdowns. So the two of those combinations is kind of raising his floor, which is really helpful. The Rams, they rank 13th against running backs, so kind of middle of the road. And with the Falcons' defense being as bad as it's been, like we said, it's going to be an offensive shootout. Luckily, Devontae Freeman is dual threat enough where he can get you rushing yards and catching receiving yards. I think the the plus is the PPR league. Yeah, is is the reception because they're not gonna ever. I don't think they're ever gonna be ahead of the Rams. They're gonna be you know one or two touchdowns behind probably the whole game into the fourth quarter. Yeah, and and so out of the two backs, Ito Smith isn't even on my radar whatsoever. Yeah, so. Ito who? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so moving on to our next game, the Dolphins and Bills. This one should be really quick because for the Dolphins, you are starting no one. You should not have any Dolphin on your team. If you're risky, you can do Fitzpatrick. I'm, I'm wearing his jersey. Sometimes you, you have to root for the underdog, but you're doing that strictly as a joke play, potentially to just to clown on your opponent. Do not actually start this guy. <laughs> I was, <laughs> for I was real. To, I was about to say, Nick absolutely loves Fitzpatrick. Like, like you said, he's got the jersey. And for him to suggest them against the Bills, I was immediately going to say, don't do that. But he luckily took back everything he said, so that was all good. So moving on to the Bills, who you got receiving the booty for this one? Receiving the booty. Well, yet again, this is just the ultimate plus matchup. Yeah. I think the, the Dolphins are ranked you know, dead last in every defensive category. Uh, you know, If you listen to the rumors on the wire, they're trying to tank their season, so what that does to the coaching staff, they might tell these, you know, the defensive backs, just lay down and let them score. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. You, you, you could start anyone you want to start. Uh, right now I am riding Josh Allen. He's fantastic. He's been doing pretty well. The, the offense is a lot better than I think most people gave Buffalo starting credit for. Yeah. But yet again, it is Miami. I mean, you could throw out the UPS guy in a scarecrow and they'd probably make touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you remember that two-point conversion that they went for at the end of the game? Do I remember it? Yeah. yeah. Was it going to work out? Probably not, no. but it really didn't help that I, he dropped it. Legitimately, my dad's a Dolphins fan, and he was like, I, I think they tried to go for that. They're like, put in that one play that never works in practice. Let's run that. And it's then, the movie play. It's yeah. where it's time slows down and you break three or four tackles yeah. and fall into the end zone. Yeah. I, I've never seen a coaching staff work so hard to lose a game. It was quite impressive. They got all their eggs in that basket. Tanking season. All right, so yeah, I, I totally agree. We're, we got receiving the booty. We got Josh Allen. We got John Brown if he plays. He's he just recently popped up on the injury report, but he's their number one wide receiver. If he's healthy and good to go, you're definitely playing him in this matchup. And the the next one, you got the Bills Mafia and their defense. They're gonna shut them down. Defensive systems engage. Uh, Josh Allen will be a will, he'll be a quarterback one against the Dolphins in this matchup. Easily, I, I completely Easily. agree. Yeah. Um, and just for the matchups, like we were saying, you, you, you can keep a crow's nest eye on either Cole Beasley and Duke Williams. Uh, the secondary receivers to John Brown, essentially, they should still see productivity against the worst team in 2019. Both players make for a sickly scurvy flex start in deep leagues if your waiver wire is extremely thin. And I'm honestly, I'm giving a cannonball long shot to Duke Williams. Duke, he's a great story for you to root for. He's a five-star Juco recruit. And he used to lead the CFL in wide receiving yards, and, and now he's getting a shot in the NFL. Last week was his first week he was promoted from the practice squad, and he scored a touchdown. So look for him to get another one against Miami. Oh, well, I would take Beasley over Williams. Yeah, I I would. I don't know if I would. Uh, to be honest, here's is, what is I that like. A pickle bit? Uh, no, I don't trust it that much. <laughs> I, I'm I I would say I'm more so rooting for Duke Williams than the story of Duke Williams, and that's why he's my cannonball long shot. You know what I mean? It's if he's not somebody that he's super owned in, and like Cole Beasley might actually be owned in 12 team leagues, yeah. depending on that one. So I mean, I picked up Beasley. Yeah, I'm first place. But I, I really, I'm an idiot. <laughs> what I don't I like, I like Beasley. He's a fine play against the Dolphins. You, there's you can play anyone against the Dolphins, like you said. UPS man, put him in. But with Cole Beasley, I I think the ceiling is capped. He's going to be a possession guy. He's going to get a ton of receptions underneath. With Duke Williams, you have that opportunity for a bigger play or a touchdown, which is like that's why it's a long shot. You you need production from a place you wouldn't normally get production. Makes sense. All right, so <laughs> moving forward, uh, what do you think about Devin Singletary? Um, like his last name. <laughs> All right, well, that, that's great fantasy advice from Nick there. Uh, with Singletary, he's coming back. He's coming back from injury, so he would be a sickly scurvy start. I would put in in this flex play if you're desperate. It really depends on how he's doing on the injury report. Singletary is going to be great for the next few weeks. His his matchups are golden coming forward. For Frank Gore and Singletary, if they're splitting, Singletary tends to be the more explosive player. So he'd be the guy I'm more excited to play as long as he's not injured. So you got you really got to check up on that injury report. As for Frank Gore, he'd be the one that'd be mopping the poop deck for me. You can still play him in that flex if you're desperate. I totally get it. He's that sickly scurvy start. You can play anyone <laughs> against these Dolphins. But because he's a secondary running back, he's really only going to be a shot at the end zone or racking up yards for a decent game. That's basically what you're betting on with Frank Gore. With Devin Singletary, you get a lot more of those catches. You get a lot more of those bigger play yards, and that's why he's more exciting of a play to me. And that's one crazy thing about the fantasy is Frank Gore mopping the poop deck. This guy, I think, is the fifth-time all-time leading rusher. Yeah. He, he's like 92. He's been playing since the 1900s. This guy is he's unbelievable. But it's just fancy. Sometimes, you know, your name carries you only so far. Yeah. And then you actually have to perform. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think Frank Gore lives on the poop deck, dude. There's there's like never a time that I'm stoked to play Frank Gore. Uh, age is, is out there. For a running back, psh, like the older you are, it's all about the young cat. I mean, he's, he's. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's yeah. just it, it's the mystery of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got AARP down there on the poop deck, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, all right, so moving forward, we got that's going to be all our matchups in that one. We got the Jags and the Bengals next. So, anyone uh, receiving the booty for you against the for the Jaguars? Yeah, yeah. There seems to be a lot of lopsided matchups this week. It's the Jaguars. You can play basically everyone. Yeah, you know. And Menchu had his first downgrade of the the Menchu madness. Uh, I like most other people. I'm pretty infatuated with the guy. I like the kid. Yeah. He's got a great story. I honestly actually don't care about his mustache. It's really not that big and powerful to me. 
but the kid's got a great <laughs> attitude, and he's going to have a great bounce back game. The Bengals are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> that division is terrible. It's just this is another huge plus matchup. You can run, I'd say, basically anyone out if you have them, and you're going to do pretty well. You know how people buy, like, jerseys for players? You think they're going to, you know, Minshew Madness can get big enough where they start selling jock straps? You, you, have you heard that? Oh, myth? man, pre-worn by him, too. You could <laughs> frame it. Signature, everything, yeah. yeah. Even the date time, this was Wednesday. Putting receiving the booty to a whole new meaning there. Um, <laughs> all right, so some other people I think are going to be receiving the booty. We got DJ Chark and Leonard Fournette for sure. I might be a glutton for punishment because I already lost on a Chark bet, but I'm, I'm putting them right back in there. Last week, I underestimated Marshawn Lattimore. His coverage was great. I had heard a lot of reports that he's kind of a lazy, essentially, is what coaches had said, where he'll show up to a big match, but he won't against smaller matchups. And I I didn't think DJ Chark would be as big on his radar as Amari Cooper was when he shut him down. And unfortunately, I was wrong. This might just be the new year for Marshawn Lattimore. Him and the New Orleans Saints, they really rallied that defense. So... That being said, DJ Chark uh, against Is that the Bengals. Kimchi fighting back. Yeah, the kimchi coming on strong. Um, so yeah, uh, DJ Chark moving forward. He's he's gonna be great against Cincinnati. And Leonard Fournette has been a beast. Uh, he's he's received twenty rushing attempts uh, every game as of late, and just about six targets in every game. So now he's become somebody who catches the ball. So he's a dual threat for sure. And against Cincinnati, who ranks second easiest against the run. He's actually going to be my treasure chest lock of the week. Oh, wow. Controversial take right there. Bold and brave. Bold and brave. <laughs> do you know who what, I was going to do Josh Jacobs, but Fournette's not always up here in the top five running back, so I thought it was totally... No, it's just the matchup is plus, and yeah. uh, he's been looking good. He's still, he looks feisty and strong, which yeah. you want in a running back. Yeah, there's absolutely no way he has a bad game in this one. Um, you did mention Gardner Minshew, and I'd even take a look at D.D. Westbrook. For the two of them, I'm keeping a crow's nest eye on them. It was a tough outing against New Orleans, but I think both of them will bounce back against the 0-6 Bengals. They rank ninth easiest against quarterbacks, and ergo, D.D. Westbrook's going to be... He's, he's usually getting you that 10 points every week, so that's kind of his floor and his ceiling. So he makes for a sickly, scurvy flex start if you just need that 10 points. The upside's not as high. But it is the Bengals, so there obviously you do have a little bit more options, and it could go more positively for that one. But I think he's almost a guaranteed 10 points every time, and if that's all you need, easily you can put him in, slide him in your flex. Yeah, absolutely. And for the Bengals, um, honestly, I got nobody receiving the booty in this game. The Bengals have just been an awful offense. They are 0-6 for a reason. I got crow's nest eyes for people doing good in this game. And the crow's nest eye I got on is Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and Joe Mixon. Any disagreements on that one? The only person I could possibly throw in that mix is Andy Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton has the Kirk Cousin effect where if it's not a primetime game, he's actually a pretty decent quarterback. Yeah. Uh, if it's Monday night, Thursday night, I think he's like 1-13. in 13. Yeah. In this matchup, I think I think he might be mopping the poop deck for me, but I, I actually agree. He's been surprisingly streamable. Uh, he's actually gotten 18 points for the last six weeks, so that's uh, yeah. not bad. I've streamed him a few times. I believe in the Red Rocket. At times, the only dangerous side effect of this game is the Bengals give up lots of sacks, and Jacksonville is pretty good at sacking. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Not a good combo if you're uh, running him. Yeah, Saxonville against that O-line, they, they're just devastated, so... Jacksonville is definitely a good defense against this this Bengals team. It, it, they would be a defensive lock of the week for me. Shut it down. All systems go. Defense is rocking for this one. Even after losing Ramsey, they, they have not had him for the last three weeks, but they've still been middle of the pack against quarterbacks. They, they rank about 17th. So he, Dalton can be playable if you're in a tough bind and you got no other options, but I believe better streamers should exist out there for you. Yeah, that's an emergency pick. Yeah, 100%. And so that's why he'd be mopping the poop deck. To our crow's nest picks, we talked about Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and Joe Mixon. The thing with this offense, they haven't been great. They are getting sacked a ton, but they are always behind, essentially. And so just like the Falcons we talked about earlier, their defense has been so bad that they're always playing catch-up. Because of that reason, Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate are actually getting a ton of volume. They're the only receivers getting the target share, essentially. Each of them have received at least six targets since week three. Tyler Boyd, he he put up a stinker last week, but I think he bounces back in this one. 
Jacksonville is kind of they're 15th against the wide receiver, so they're not as elite as they have been in years past. He'll have a much better bounce back compared to three receptions and 10 yards, which honestly is impressive to have that few yardage off of three receptions. It's nuts that you get 10 yards in any game for a wide receiver. That, yeah, looks great on paper. <laughs> terrible numbers. So there's no way he's going to bounce back off of that. And on in tape, like we were saying, he's been getting six targets since week three, and he's putting up double-digit points almost every time. So I expect more of that this week. Both Boyd and Tate, they have double-digit floors, essentially. Not super big upside plays, but each of them have enough target share to keep their fantasy options viable. Um, and then Joe Mixon, he's the last one. Um, you got any feelings on Joe Mixon? Yeah, I'm surprised that you put him. I would have switched him and Dalton. I don't think they're going to be running the ball that often. I think the Bengals... I really, I mean, they're 0-6. They're going to be behind the whole game. And Menchu Madness kind of, you know, had this first slump. But the guy's QBR is through the roof. Uh, so I'm more in the position that Andy Dalton's not a good pick, but he's in the position where he has to do a lot of the legwork, and that's what he wanted fantasy. Yeah, the thing I would say with Mixon is there's never a matchup that you you think <laughs> that Cincinnati is going to be ahead in the game. So that's that's unfortunate for Mixon's fantasy value. But a lot of people drafted him early, so you still have to kind of evaluate him, unfortunately. And I think Jacksonville, this is actually going to be their easiest test against the run. As good as they are against the pass, they do have a crazy good pass rush. They are much worse against the run. They actually rank 7th easiest against the run. So this being Mixon's easiest defense that he's had to face, I expect at least double-digit numbers, which is something you'll take from Mixon at this point in the year because he's just been awful. He's been god-awful, and it's not his fault. It's a tragic O-line, and he's going to continue to struggle in every matchup for the rest of the year. But if I had to put trust in him, i put a little bit more this week just because I think you can run until the game starts slipping away, essentially. If you believe, you believe. I think the best bet with this game is uh, if you have these players, try to package them into a trade <laughs> and just yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. As, as best you can, good luck, because there's not a lot of value to be had in Cincinnati, obviously. And then even if you're desperate at tight end, Tyler Eifert, still just gross. You shouldn't you leave him on the waiver wire. You should bootstrap Bill him. He should be nowhere near your team. I don't know how desperate your tight end situation is, but you can do better on people with smaller names. That's just name value. Tyler Eifert has not been good this season. Yeah, perfect. So now we got the Vikings and the Lions. Who you, who you got receiving the booty for the Vikings in this? Probably probably only Dalvin Cook. I did stream Kirk Cousins last week. Put up a monstrous game. I don't believe he will ever do that again. Yeah. Um, the Lions are coached by Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, the ex defensive coordinator for the Patriots. You know, I'm I'm not Zach Brown, so I can't insult Kirk Cousins. And if they win, I won't, I'm not gonna get fired from a podcast. Then I, you will. <laughs> okay, I might. Uh, I think the Lions are going to destroy Kirk Cousins, and I think the, the wide receiver core of that team with Thielen and Diggs, it sounds tough to bench them. I would not play them. I have no faith in Kirk Cousins. I think this game is going to be a blowout. Well, I, I like that take. Um, I, I definitely got Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs both walking the plank this week, and I had a buddy recently ask me about Stefan Diggs. Like, do I play him after that huge week? And I, and I told him straight up, no. Like, he had as big of a week as he did because it was the Eagles' secondary, and they're just an awful defense. Um, both Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, they complained at the right times because they faced the fourth and the fifth easiest defenses. So I think both of those those last two weeks were going to be inflated stats. Moving forward, the Lions are a much tougher test. They rank 19th against wide receivers. So I don't have trust in Stefan Diggs because he hasn't had that same level of consistency Adam Thielen has. I think Adam Thielen's the first option. So I wouldn't necessarily bench Adam Thielen yet, especially where you drafted him. He'd be someone I'd be mopping the poop deck on. I'd downgrade those expectations, but I don't think you can afford to bench him. But Kirk Cousins and Stefan Diggs, I'm totally okay with them being benched. One example that you kind of saw is was Will Fuller. He had that giant 50-point game, and then the next week it came down after that huge performance. I think the same thing's going to happen to Stephon Diggs. Moving forward, the one person I would say to keep an eye on besides those people, obviously we said receiving the booty is Dalvin Cook. So behind that you got um, Alexander Madison, and he remains a top-end handcuff. Definitely not someone you would play, but handcuff him if you have Dalvin Cook. I don't know what your belief is on handcuffs. Personally, 
I have Dalvin Cook and I don't even have Madison. But as the weeks continue on and it gets closer to playoffs, I'm definitely taking my handcuffs because I don't want to lose them just before playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And a team like this that's so rushing dependent, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins is not a fantastic quarterback. If he falls, they need the running game. Yeah. I don't think Madison will ever get the same workload Dalvin Cook does, no. but it kind of helps to have you need it. I a mean, portion you, of that. It's a running back. You just want consistency in fantasy. You just want someone's going to be fed. Yeah, exactly. All right, so then moving on to the Lions. Um, this The Vikings are another really good defense, and to me, I actually don't have anybody uh, receiving the booty. Yeah, it's tough because the Lions, you're going against a good defense, and they're eternal nemesis referees. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that game was a joke. I just want to make that comment. Yeah. yeah that was... How dare they do that, clown commissioner, yada, 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 yada. As if Detroit didn't have it hard enough, you know? Like, <laughs> it, it's. I, I feel for these. I'm wearing, you know, a Miami jersey. I'm a Patriots fan. It doesn't make too much sense. I feel bad for the underdog. I, I've had plenty of winning in my time. <laughs> and the Lions just seem to be constantly handicapped by the league. I don't know if it's Detroit or it's Matthew Stafford. The league does not like these guys. And I, I feel bad for your fan base. I'm sorry. I wish things would be better. It was a catch. I swear to God, it was a catch. <laughs> Calvin Johnson, I love you. So walking the plank in this one, we got Matthew Stafford and TJ Hawkinson. I don't think either of them will have a good game, just like you had no faith in Kirk Cousins. I think Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback, but against this Viking defense with Xavier Rhodes locking up Kenny Galladay, I think Stafford's going to have a struggling day for fantasy. Um, Minnesota ranks 25th against quarterbacks, so hopefully you got a better quarterback streamer this week for you. And then TJ Droppinson, TJ Hawkinson, he yeah. has dropped so many touchdowns. It's crazy. I and don't know. being in a very dependent role as tight end where you really need those touchdowns for fantasy, yeah. it's kind of a big deal. That's the only thing you're looking for out of your <laughs> tight end. And, yeah, he just keeps dropping them. So I, you got to bench him. There's no way. The only time I'd ever look at him is if he's playing a top eight easy defense, essentially. But Minnesota ranks middle of the pack, and until he shows better hands in the end zone, like you can't play him. You just can't. So Kenny Galladay is someone that I think might be a little controversial of a take, but I would I would have a mop in the poop deck this week because, like we had talked about, Xavier Rhodes will be shadowing Kenny Galladay. It's to have Xavier Rhodes, obviously a very dominant player. Uh, this is a hard fantasy pick because I can't really tell you. Even Hawkinson can end up getting three touchdowns. I just don't think Minnesota's defense is going to be able to put up long enough against the Lions. And I'm not saying the Lions are this powerhouse offense that are going to just derail them. I think the Minnesota offense, if Dalvin Cook doesn't explode, is going to fall apart. You know, tension's already high with Thielen. Diggs had the rumors where I want to be traded. It, they all had rumors one, are true. Yeah, all rumors are true. They had one good game. I think if they go into another situation where, you know, Kirk Cousin is three for twenty with thirteen yards, the offense is going to explode in the field. Yeah. What this does for fantasy the Lions, uh, you know, take your best yes. I just I just have no faith in the Vikings right now. Yeah. Here's what I would say with Xavier Rhodes shadowing Kenny G, likely. I think the smooth sounds of Kenny G, they they're gonna be off key this week and as well as he did this this last week, I think he is a young star in the making, but also, a lot of his fantasy points came off that first trickery flea flicker and that people did not see coming. He got 66 yards in a catch. So that's 7.6 of your points right there. So I think his numbers were a little bit inflated, and they had the bye week to put in those wrinkles. So I don't, I don't think they're going to do something as surprising like that again. They might. I mean, that was the whole point of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it will be a surprise to me again. It was a good play call. I like I like the aggressiveness of it, the touchdown efficiency of the red zone. Pathetic. Right. But, hey, come out swinging. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you you can't bank on a 66-yard flea flicker every week. If you want to, be my guest, but that's why I got Kenny G mopping the poop deck for this one. I am keeping a crow's nest eye on Marvin Jones, though. He, he did have a, a little bit of a tougher week last week but this week he's avoiding Xavier Rhodes so he doesn't get that shadow coverage and kind of like D.D. Westbrook I think he's a great floor play he's someone that will always get you that 10 point floor essentially in the flex has a little bit of upside potential but like I said he's not someone I'm super excited for so I'm just keeping a crow's nest eye on or like a sickly scurvy start essentially 
he's going to be a bigger upside in weeks eight and nine when they play the Giants and the Raiders. So everyone's kind of going to be elevated those weeks. Marvin Jones for this week, he's just someone I'm keeping up crow's nice eye on. All right, moving on to the next game, we got our Raiders and our Packers. Anyone receiving their booty for you for the Raiders? Uh, maybe a little controversial is is just Darren Waller. I didn't even draft this guy. I got him off the waiver wire. You know how this happened? I don't know. He was the only interesting thing of Hard Knocks. Uh, I couldn't believe how bored I was watching that. You know, it's really neither here nor there. But all I'm gonna say is, you know, <laughs> you weren't alone. <laughs> is do I think Waller's gonna have a fantastic game? Not necessarily, but he's just fed the ball so much. Him and Cooper Cup seem to get like 13, 14, 15, you know, thrown two targets a game. And in a situation like this, this is one of the only players I really want to rely on in this. Because the Packers have a pretty good defense, surprisingly. Yeah, uh, they have a super good defense. I believe you have Waller on your team, right? Absolutely. Would Waller be someone you'd want to take a pirate pickle bet on? I could. So he's projected for 12.64 points this week against Green Bay. Is that something you feel comfortable with taking? I'd take the under on that, or I would if you want to do it on like yardage or something along those lines. I would bet he gets ten or more. Ten or more points. Ten more points. Oh, um, you're not willing to take twelve. <laughs> it sounds like penny pitching, but twelve. It well, is a good defense. How about we meet in the middle? Eleven. All right, meet me in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, meet me in the middle. All right, we got one pirate pickleback. If he gets eleven points or more, you win. And if he's under 11, I win. Yes, that is exactly how a bet works. Yes, sir. I'm just laying it out there for the for the people here. All right, so we got one on Darren Waller. Yeah, he's going to be mopping the poop deck for me, him and Tyrell Williams, who his injury has just been getting worse and worse, apparently. Negative reports this week about Tyrell Williams. Uh, I believe it's some sort of fasciitis. Uh, yeah, Gruden did come out and said it, it seems to be getting worse. Yeah. So throw this guy away. Fantasy-wise, for right now. Yeah, put him on your bench. He was great the first four weeks. He had a touchdown in every single game, but with him not being on the field, you don't you don't need him. But with Darren Waller, like you said, the Green Bay defense is excellent. They rank 23rd hardest against tight ends. I just think that Green Bay is going to kind of shut down this whole offense Without Tyrell Williams as a threat deep, I really think Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs are the only two options you really have to stop. And I think the Packers will be able to do that. That being said, I do think Josh Jacobs should still receive the booty in this one. How about you? Oh, Josh Jacobs looks fantastic. And yet again, it's just who else are you going to pick on this team to yeah. do something? Yeah. These are really, yeah, they're only two weapons. Uh, you're not playing Carr. I mean, I hope you're not <laughs> playing Carr. Definitely. You shouldn't even be on your team. He, yeah, he shouldn't even be on your waiver wire. He should be out of the system. We can't find him now. <laughs> yeah, you can you can drop him to Davy Jones's locker. Uh, bootstrap bill him. Put the anchor on him. He's gone. What a reference. I love it. Why, thank you. That's what we do here. Um, yeah, th- so here's what I would say. As good as Green Bay's defense is against the pass, they're awful against the run. They rank third easiest against running backs. So if anyone's going to succeed, it's going to be Josh Jacobs. What about the Packers? Who you got for the Packers? Ooh, the one thing I'd be a little careful of, Aaron Rodgers does not seem to perform to fantasy expectations. This could be a plus matchup. Uh, it's just, it seems it seems to have skewed everything, though. He no longer is throwing all these Hail Marys, making up all these plays, you know, basically playing single-player Madden and just jamming circle and hitting some guy for 60, 70 yards. He has a defense now, and he also has a running back. You know, would I play the guy? Absolutely play him. It's just it's it's tough to to pinpoint him because he's not doing as well in fantasy as you know as everyone would like to hope so. Yeah, I think he, I think he's elite in the football game, but not in fantasy football. And like you said, there, there's just a little bit of weirdness when it comes to fantasy football. Uh, Frank Gore, as great of a running back as he is by name, he is not someone you want to play. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little the same. One thing I would say on this is the Packers, they, they seem to have the referees in their pocket after that last week Packers versus Detroit game. But you don't get fantasy points for penalty flags. So as well as they will be on the field, I don't think that's going to help out. We could you know, write to Yahoo to change this. You know, <laughs> And maybe the referee, he got a great discount double check thing going on. <laughs> it's unexplainable. Yeah. Isn't it awful when when you see like your wide receiver going out for a huge deep pass and they get PI'd and you're like, I deserve those fantasy points. It's like they don't catch it. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. And just a side note to that is, does anyone understand how PI works anymore? Uh, I feel every challenge flag is thrown. It never it never changes anything. Yeah. I don't even understand why they gave them those flags. Yeah. I 
I don't know why it's so difficult. It really shouldn't be. I, I know there's a level of subjectivity to it, but if so many people on one side say they see it this way and everybody's outraged by the call, like, why is it so hard to change it? Like, I, it shouldn't I think be. They, they go to the booth, they, they quote unquote, they, they contact New York and they roll a dice. Yeah. It literally, I cannot understand the explanation for half of these penalties, unless it's helmet to helmet. Then it's always defensive player's fault. You know, shame on you, bad, bad you. Yeah. Right now, as of this recording, uh, it doesn't look like Devontae Adams will be playing. you got to keep up on his injury reports. If he does play, he obviously receives the booty. But there's honestly, there's not another Green Bay pass catcher that I'm willing to to roll the dice on or, or chase the points after. I know Lazard had a pretty decent game this last, this last week, but I don't think this matchup is plus enough that you're willing to put him in as your flex. Depends how thin your league is. I know for my team, he's not someone I'm willing to put in my flex. No, it's just tough because, you know, you don't know who Rodgers is going to throw to. This yeah. is not like olden Roger days where he had one or two guys that he just, you know, banked his whole career off. This is more like Rodgers is a great quarterback that he can elevate a lot of so-so players. But it's really their running back. It's their running back and their defense. <laughs> this team has done like a 180 on what I think the perception of what they were last year. Yeah, 100%. They, they they made a lot of moves to get that 182. Um, so, yeah, so it's two people I would keep a crow's nest eye on. Kind of, you're touching upon it. It would be Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, the double double Aarons, discount double Aaron. Um, they rank. <laughs> Quick patching that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers has a shot with a productive game against them, even with the banged-up wide receiver core. Like you said, he's still able to elevate most people. The Raiders rank 10th against quarterbacks, which is easily the easiest – team that Rodgers has had to face so far this season and through six weeks Rodgers has faced four of the top eight hardest defenses against quarterbacks so I think that's why the down year has kind of been so far this season I think with an easier matchup he'll get a little bit better even with a banged up wide receiver core for the two weeks that he didn't face a top eight defense he scored 19.3 and 26.5 points those are both great or usable fantasy numbers for a fantasy quarterback Obviously, losing the starting wide receivers is going to hurt. But against a beautiful matchup like the Raiders, I'd be willing to take that risk. The only thing when you say beautiful matchup with the Raiders is they beat the Bears. This is kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is a, it's like a wild card team. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't really know what they're capable of. Yeah. They could just pull something out of their ass. But one thing I can say with confidence, I, I think the Packers offense is still better than the Bears' offense. No, um, I, yeah, that last comment was strictly for Lion fans. Yeah. You know, we need some kind of karmic justice on Aaron Rodgers. So we did. We both kind of a little bit like uh, Aaron Jones, but I would be a little bit nervous just for what he did in terms of this last week. He wasn't that great, and Jamal Williams got spotlighted a lot more. So the, the hesitancy, hesitancy in that is these running backs – I'm actually going to take back what I said. I actually don't like Aaron Jones this week. I, I'm going to flip it. I, I think he's going to be mopping the poop deck with wow. me and Jamal Hot Williams. take. Yeah. This is fresh off the press. Yeah. I just watched his eyes. Yeah, I saw it unfold in his mind. <laughs> I, I'll take I'll take another pirate pickle bet on Aaron Jones if you want. I'll, All right, lay down. What, I'll give what's you the offer? Line. All right, here we go. So Aaron Jones, we're taking a look. His fantasy points are 15.18 projection. You want to go lower than that? Uh, what like, about 13? You like to hedge those bets. Yeah, I'd take, yeah. It. I'd take I'm it. I'm trying to win. You know, I bet to win. <laughs> 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Cut that. 13 and a quarter. All right. 13 and a quarter. We're settled. 13.25. I bet the under on that one. And I'll put a pirate pickle bet on it. Here's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet the under for the 13.25. Or here's why I don't like Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams kind of balled out. The Raiders are actually a really good defense against the run. They rank 22nd against running backs. And although I think the Packers will rely on their run game like we talked about, especially with their wide receivers banged up, I think it'll be too hard to predict who kind of gets the hot hand in this one. So either Williams or Jones could have success. And kind of like Eckler and Gordon on the Chargers, I think the two of them are going to eat into each other's fantasy points. Last week, Williams did really good with 23.6 fantasy points. He'd be the player I'd be betting on right now. So that's why I'm kind of fading Aaron Jones for this one. Aaron Jones, I think, is the much better player, but for some reason they still love Jamal Williams in this offense. I think they're going to use them both. I mean, obviously I don't, or I wouldn't yeah. have taken the bet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this will be fun to see. Our next matchup, we actually got Cardinals at Giants. And, and this one's one that Nick has been super excited to talk about. 
This is my pickling pepper Pete picking uh, game of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nailed it. Okay, so perfect. So we got we got the Cardinals. Is there anyone receiving the booty for you in this matchup? I just want to say everyone. This yeah. is this is a beautiful situation for the consumer, the audience member, and the fantasy uh, audience consumer. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is two terrible defenses with two nice rookie quarterbacks and plenty of upside potential. If this game is a slow slugum, I'm going to be so disappointed. I'm expecting 40, 50 points on each team. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for fantasy fireworks for sure too. Um I've had Kyler Murray the last 2 weeks and I've I've I saw the all these matchups coming up and I've been loving it, enjoying it. I think obviously on the Cardinals you got Kyler Murray, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. And Christian Kirk, if he plays, Christian Kirk, he's been injured, so you got to keep checking those those injury reports, see if he's going to be good to go for Week Seven. But if he is, I think you you got to play him absolutely. Like Nick was saying, th- these Giants are just an awful defense, and anyone you can put in against this squad, you should do that do so. So those are the four starters that this offense definitely runs through. And then the fifth person I'd still be keeping a crow's nest eye on that's going to be Chase Edmonds he's the backup to uh, David Johnson but he's actually been performing really nicely alongside David Johnson and this Giants defense has just been really easy to take advantage of their schedule has opened up weeks five through seven and all the major pieces have benefited for the Cardinals because of that so I think Chase Edmonds someone that you can still roll out as a flex play even if you are say even a David Johnson owner or you don't you just want a piece of that Arizona offense. On to the Giants. Coming into this game, they were actually one of the most banged up offenses in the NFL. They had Sterling Shepard out with a, a second concussion and he might be a while to come back. They had Evan Ingram dealing with a sprained MCL. You had Saquon Barkley with a high ankle sprain. And guess what? They're all gonna be good to go in terms of Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. Sterling Shepard still might be out for a while. But Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, those are two pieces instantly you can put back into your lineup. They're both going to be receiving the booty for me this week. I mean, that's a not only is that a first-round pick, that was the first pick for basically all leagues. Yeah. Not drafted by, you know, mongoloids. And, of course, the timing couldn't be more perfect. I play somebody in my league, Jason, who owns both Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, and they're both about to go off their first week back. And uh, this- it's unbelievable. The medical mystery of Saquon Barkley... This seemed like a huge deal. This is a six to eight week injury. And this guy, you know, within two days was running laps again, you know, doing high hurdles. God only knows how this is possible. Yeah. Him him and Cooper Cup, man, they're, I mean, obviously Saquon even more just in the time frame that he did it. I don't know what medical science is doing nowadays, but they're like Adrian Peterson of old when he tears his ACL and he comes, nobody expects him to come back. And then the next season has a thousand yards. It's, it's just absolutely nuts. It doesn't make any sense. These are basically generation-defying injuries, and they they bounce back like nobody's done before. It's a little scary. It's a little worrisome. As a someone who does not own Saquon Barkley, uh, I wish him the best future, but this seems like it could turn downhill really quickly. How so? <laughs> if he gets injured again, it's just like, well, what are you doing sending him out? I know the guy can play. He wants to play. Everybody who plays football at this high level wants to play the game. No one wants to sit on the bench. It's still, it's just, it's unbelievable that he's out. I thought I had more time to prepare against these teams, and apparently not. Yeah. No, I I mean, I don't know how you bench him. He's just, he's so amazing. I totally get what you're saying. He is your future, so you do have to take a little bit of caution. But I think they, they held him back last week, and I think he wanted to go then. So if he's good enough to go, you obviously trust him, especially for us fantasy owners. We're not general managers. All we know is if he's playing, we're playing him too. That's essentially not our decision to make, but we will ride along with it. On top of those two players, you also got Daniel Jones and Golden Tate. And they've actually received chemistry really quickly together, surprisingly. Against New England, uh, Tate was he was suspended four games prior to that game, and then he essentially went off, and he was the leading wide receiver for them. So I think more of that's going to continue against Arizona. Their their defense is awful as well. I think Jones is actually a streamable quarterback this week against that secondary, and Tate's by far the best wide receiver right now for Jones to throw to. I think he's totally streamable. Yeah. At the same time, uh, Danny Dimes, he's got wheels. The kid can move, and yet again, I think everyone in this game has a chance to go off. This yeah. is not going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, in case you missed it, Cardinals and Giants are both bad, <laughs> bad defenses. 
Um, moving from one awful defense to one amazing and one awful defense, we got the Niners at the Redskins. Um, just about everyone is receiving the booty for against Washington. We got Garoppolo, we got Kittle, we got Breda, we got Coleman, all those guys, and the defense. Uh, lock it down. They're going to be amazing as well. Security is everywhere. Everyone's startable. They're, they're a defensive lock for the week. And not only that, but Washington's defense is terrible. I think the biggest fear in starting Garoppolo is that the team won't need the passing attack because the Redskins won't be competitive in this game. I don't know how they could be. Uh, they literally only have a win because they played Miami. And yeah. they, they <laughs> someone had to win the game. Yeah, and it wasn't my much. Um, no one else has really stepped up on this team, so I, w- I wouldn't start any of the wide receivers besides uh, Kittle because Kittle, as a tight end, he's still receiving the ball. But they're wide receivers. I think Debo Samuel's been a little bit banged up. Um, Dante Pettis, he's been a little up and down and, and starting to get more work, but I still wouldn't trust him just yet in my lineup maybe someone you want to stash that's totally okay with me and then the last one you got uh goodwin and i've never been a big fan of he's got that big play ability but he's never been a huge target monster so all those guys not really on my radar it's just going to be the tight end the quarterback and their two running backs all all four of those players are going to be playable for me uh, if you can start the defense the defense oh, i yeah. mean th- this this team seems to be a lot of a smash mouth backed up by a big, beautiful defense. That that front four or six, you know, whoever you want to throw in that is looking like God tier. Yeah. I, I'm regretting the Niners' defense against the Rams. I, I don't think that's a matchup I would have played, but I wish I would have picked them up that week prior to this because they got some beautiful matchups coming up. And as you saw against the Rams, they can shut down even the best of offenses, and they're going to be doing that all year. Moving on to the Redskins. It's going to be a catch-up game for them the entire time. There's no one on this team that's good enough for me that they're receiving the booty, but Terry McLaurin is the only player I'm keeping a crow's nest eye on in this matchup. I'm just hoping for that garbage time TD, essentially. Against this elite defense, I don't think he's going to have as big of the production as he has in the past, but his touchdown production has been incredible. He scored five touchdowns in the last five games as a rookie. Like That is insane, so I, I can't bank against that production. He's someone I'd be willing to put in my flex, for sure. He seems a lot like fool's gold to me. Uh, yes, he has production value, maybe in a PPR league. I just don't picture you can hold on to the ball for more than maybe two seconds against this uh, this 49ers defense before your quarterback gets gobbled up. It's yeah. got to be quick, quick throws. Yeah, we'll see. I, I just think the vol- there's nobody else for the Redskins. He's going to get that volume, and... I mean, they get four quarters to throw the ball. They will be behind the entire time, I, I'm assuming. So hopefully he gets something out of those four quarters. Everyone else that's walking the plank for me, it's going to be Chris Thompson. He's injured, obviously, and things have not been looking good in the injury reports. So he would have been the only other player I'd, I'd consider in this matchup. But every, Adrian Peterson, he's off. He's This defense is just too elite, and they're going to shut everyone else down. Any interest in a Terry McLaurin pickle bet or no? Name the prize. He's projected for 11.97. I think that's a high-ass line, to be honest, against the San Francisco 49ers. It's a huge line. I'd take it. I'd take the under. Like, I'll, you give, take I'll give you under. 12. I'll give you – or no, I'll take – You have to take the over because I, I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'll take the over on 12 and up. I can do that. You want the over on 12 and up? Yeah. Easiest pickle bet I've ever done. Okay. Third right. pickle bet. All right. Pretty so easy. I think Terry McLaurin will score you 12 points against the 49ers. And he will beat his projection. I am willing to take that pickle bet just out of volume. We will see how this goes. If this is true, even Dan Snyder will eat his underwear. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our Week 7 matchups. Those were the first games we got covered. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Nick's coming back a second time. Um, This is probably his last time, but (laughs) we're going to keep this going, and I hope you enjoyed.